You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 12. Today, I'm talking with owners Tommy and Natalie Conway of One Health about how to build an all-encompassing wellness brand. So if you're ready to avoid the common mistakes that many PTs, both personal trainer and physical therapists make, then stay tuned. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. Welcome back to the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson, and today we are talking with Tommy and Natalie Conway of One Health. And I am super pumped to get to that interview. I know, I think I say that about every single episode, but really we had such a good conversation. We talked about what it's like to open a brick and mortar business together as a couple We talked about some of the mistakes that they would want you to not do if you were to open your brick and mortar. They talked about defining boundaries between business versus their personal relationship and how to navigate that. So especially if you're someone who's working on a business with a romantic partner, this is awesome. You definitely don't want to miss this. We also talked about a lot of the common mistakes that a lot of young physiotherapists or physical therapists and personal trainers make when they're first starting their online or their in-person business and how to build rapport with their clients. And we talked a lot about the impact versus intention of using specific words and how to navigate that in your marketing versus when you're actually coaching. So this is an interview I'm really excited about you hearing. So One Health is a brick and mortar clinic and studio where they teach yoga classes, reformer Pilates classes, and also nutrition and also physiotherapy inside of their one location located in Tullamore, Ireland. Tommy is the lead physiotherapist. What's unique about his perspective is that he's taken these PRI concepts that he actually traveled to the United States to learn, and he took it back with him to Ireland. And as of right now, when you're listening to this episode in June of 2020, there's no other physiotherapists that have his level of education, which I know this is something that he's going to be bringing to the community of Ireland. This is something he's going to be bringing to his community. But for now, he is leading the charge over at One Health. And Natalie is a former school teacher who has now become business owner and lead instructor of the Reformer Pilates. And she's responsible for the managing of the business and the day-to-day of the business. So without further ado, let's roll that interview. Hello, Tommy and Natalie. How are you? Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm super pumped that you're here on the show uh, today. So let's just dive right in. Can you go ahead and just share with us a little bit about who you are and who you serve? Yeah, so me and Natalie, we're a husband and wife team. and We run a business called One Health in, in Ireland. And the people we work with is wide variety. So I'm a physiotherapist, physical therapist. 
and Natalie's actually a primary school teacher. Um, but we, we treat people from the ages of, I suppose, six, seven till 90 years of age or even a little bit over for um, varying conditions. And then we have yoga and reformer Pilates and nutrition also in our facility. So a lot of different people. That's amazing. How'd you get there? We got there together. <laughs> it, took, <laughs> it took a bit of effort. Like I started my business, it was originally called TC Physiotherapy in about five years ago. And that was just a, a regular PT clinic, physical therapy clinic. And we slowly built up that business. And then we knew that we wanted to do something extra for our clients. We knew we kind of needed to bring in some form of exercise that we really truly believed in that would actually benefit like our long-term back pain clients. So we decided to open a former studio. So Natalie was the main instructor and also been a primary school teacher as well, helped us because she kind of teaches everyone. <laughs> teaches everyone what to do and tells everyone what to do. But no, we kind of got there because Tommy's brother, really, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, actually. Yeah. We so, got to the reformer studio because of my brother. Reformer studios were really non-existent in Ireland. A few in Dublin. And um, Tommy's brother had a serious back issue and, and micro on his spine in australia you felt better <laughs> yeah and he was he was kind of pushing me to look at pilates former um, pilates but i'd done math when i was in college didn't enjoy it thought it was very boring thought it wasn't didn't have enough detail and natalie actually booked us in for a class in dublin after a night out on the reformer and <laughs> after i'd done the class i was blown away i just thought it was, thought it was such a smart simple it just got all the right muscles, you know. It got the stuff that we find difficult as PTs or certain conditioning coaches to get working on people in a good position. You're not talking your hamstrings, your triceps, your obliques, and it, it hit all them spots in a 50-minute workout, and I was very impressed with it. So from that day on, after doing that class, we just said we have to open the studio. So we did. About three, three years ago now. Three years yeah, come up three years, and then we got married, and the businesses got married as well. So <laughs> the clinic moved into the Reformer Studios hub. And that's how One Health grew as well. Our community that we built were asking for more and more. They wanted to see more and more. Some were talking about yoga. People were asking us about eating the right stuff. And we said, look, we need to give all these services. They're asking us. We obviously don't, aren't knowledgeable enough to give that because we're not qualified as nutritionists and, and so, so be it. So that's why we developed One Health because of our community and our great clients. And they just wanted, they loved our environment. So we said we need to give them some Mm -hmm. some of those services so that's how one health came about so how far is dublin to you like how far did you have to go to go to this reformer pilates class oh only an hour ireland's tiny like we're right in the middle of ireland so from one side of ireland to the other is three hours max and that's up and down it could be six i'd say don't hold me to that now anyone assistant from ireland some person be like oh he's got that wrong um <laughs> it's an hour drive from tullamore where we are to dublin no. it's an hour it's an hour but listen, I'm not driving an hour to go to a reformer's Pilates class, so that was commitment. <laughs> yeah, especially after a night out as well, Beverly. And we, we like a good night out, so um, <laughs> that was commitment on my end, yeah. Natalie had it all planned. I didn't know what was going on. Because back then, I was stubborn to it. I didn't want to do it. Because mm. um, my experience from it was, I suppose, bad. And it's like when clients come in and say, oh, I've tried Pilates before, but I didn't like it. Um, when your experience is bad in anything, you get a bad taste for it, so... I kind of knew, Natalie knew it needed to be pushed a little bit because she could see the opportunity in it. And also, we had to amalgamate together as a couple to become business partners, which is always tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that today too. But 
Natalie, you were a school teacher, right? Yeah. And I didn't actually realize that. So how did you get into learning about reformer Pilates? Well, it was from that because we had the business idea from Tommy's brother, Michael. And we just, after we did that class, then we said, look, I need to go do the training. I need to go do it. And we went up and I, was, I trained in Dublin and then we qualified. And then we did a lot of in-house training as well with Tommy's knowledge of PRI. And we kind of tried to, Tommy's system, and Tommy's a lot of study all around the world. And we tried to bring some of his knowledge and systems to practice as well to give our, give the one health experience to our clients. Um, so that's how I came about. Um, and I was double job in there. So going from school, and actually I used to do morning classes. So I was doing a morning class, then going a bit of teacher in school and then going back in the evening and teaching more classes. So it was full on, it was fun though. But uh, yeah, that's how it all came about for me. I was maybe forced into it. Tommy's a tough taskmaster maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And Tommy, you brought up a good point when you talked about how, you know, I think people have these preconceived notions of what Pilates is supposed to be like. You know, they think like yoga, Pilates, they loop it together. And I know for me, I had that perspective of, oh, it's just stretching. It's not real. It's not really working out. Yeah, like when I started to, because we opened the Reformer Studio and I didn't teach for about a year. Um, we opened the Reformer Studio in 2017, September 2017. And then I went and done my posture restoration certification in Nebraska in the end of 2017, December. But it was only when I started teaching it that I really, it brought home to me that there was a good bit of genius behind it. And in, in the fact that it meant working out, as we all know, PRI and PRC, PRI now is becoming very popular regarding strength and conditioning coaches and exercises. For, for me, Pilates does all that in a 50-minute class that people can enjoy. You can do all the good stuff that you want to give them without them even knowing, which is great because you can actually treat your client safely. And on a reformer, it's amazing the muscles and the change you see with people. Like we see, it, we see people that are not able to stand up straight and they just become like a ballerina walking around. And it's just, I always like to think in a local community, I know, by the way, the people walk that they're all clients. They have that good posture. They have that good look. That's what we're proud, that's what I'm proud of anyways, to see that we actually have that sustainable change with people, which is hard to get. Mm -hmm. It isn't just stretching. It's a lot more than that. If you want to feel a burn, that's mm -hmm. what you need to do. You can't hide. You can't hide on it. No. You can't cheat. I'm the worst person in a gym or a gym class. I want to cheat. I want to hide. I want to do less reps, you just can't hide in the reformer. You just can't, you, like, it doesn't let you. You have to perform on it and the resistance and everything. It's just, it's a genius, as it, Tommy said, it is a genius piece of equipment. Like it's, it's changed my whole body shape. And, and over the last couple of years, we've seen our clients who've come in, like Tommy said, they're standing a wall controller. Like even for some people, like some people, like I know I find after having Molly, the baby, like you kind of feel like you're kind of rolling over a bit too much because you're holding the baby the whole time. So it just fixes that posture. It makes you sit up taller and um, more conscious of your, your presence, I suppose. So it's, yeah, it's cool. It's an element. Like it's, mm. it's like anything, it's, it's another form of exercise. But I, for me, with what I've studied in, in America with PRI, it's just done it in an easier way. It makes more sense. And for a long time, it kind of muddled my brain a little bit um, where I didn't know my own system because I felt it was actually just easier to put people on a reformer and train them than to give them one-on-one -on -one exercise that they do at home. And that's what makes it good, because most people want to go to a group environment for entertainment. So it made our lives easier, I would say. Mm -hmm. PRI, I feel like 
especially for new strength and conditioning coaches that are new to PRI, they're excited to take on these concepts and these exercises and they just want to put their, keep their clients on the floor. But what most trainers miss or don't recognize is that you're not going to get client buy-in or client adherence if the exercises that they're doing aren't fun or don't also meet their, their goals. Yeah, like it's, that's very, that's so important that if you see someone that's full of energy bouncing into the room and they're like an energizer, energizer bunny, they don't like moving slow. Now, that might be the right thing to do to help their body, but they won't stick to that program for long. So you can tell them that straight away. You can say to them as a young PT or a young strength conditioning coach, you're full of energy. I know you want to go fast. Let's do this for two weeks. Then I'll let you go fast. That's understanding because a lot of them exercise are very slow, boring, isometric holds. They do work. But don't forget, like you said, that clients want entertainment. And the people that have a basic level of knowledge, they still have a lot large client base because they know how to entertain. And... I understand that in my game, as well as the Pilates studio. We have to try and show a bit of, that's, that's what I've seen with Pilates studios before. It's very, they use big words and it's boring. Like, use words that clients don't understand instead of telling a joke or something like that, which people would enjoy a lot more. And that's what I think that we try and bring. I think it's, well, I try and bring any of that. Tommy's the comedian of the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that <laughs> I never sent you my comedy sketch uh, No, you have to, for sure. <laughs> but you know, what I was hearing from you is yeah, hearing you talk about One Health and hearing you talk about how you've integrated all these principles. To me, it sounds like using the reformer, at least, that's been one of the ways that you've been able to implement you know, fundamental movement and strengthen the, the, those concepts with at least while keeping your client's attention. Yeah. yeah, it's been an easier way to get someone out of long-term back pain, correct someone's posture. It's easier adhering, the clients have an easier time adhering to that. They have a more enjoyable time. I see better results. And if your environment doesn't have that, for instance, where you have that availability to go into group exercise, your life is harder. Your life is harder to try and improve them people and keep them better. Mm, yeah. Definitely. So it's been a groundbreaker for us and it's, and it's given us such an opportunity. Like we wanted to originally open, I think, reformer studios around surrounding area. After we opened our first one, um, our clients just kept asking for other services. So we said, right, that's the next thing we need to do. We have to give the people that trust us what they want. Um, it's going well. It's going, it's going well. So thank God for that. So that's great. And we're, I definitely want to get into that. But before I segue, I'm just curious, you know, what would you say to a new PT or a new strength and conditioning coach? Like, how would you get them to start taking these complex concepts and breaking it down to, for their clients? Yeah, I think one thing for me, I think that's very important is that I don't see too many people talking about it. I, like I've trained a good few PTs and Pilates instructors now at this stage. And what most people don't get is that the complexity of people is made a lot easier if you learn how to get buy-in very quick. And you can get that with a limited amount of knowledge. Everyone wants more knowledge, but that's not the way you should think about it. You think about it as, how can I get the psychology element of this right? And then go on to the complicated concepts. Like I know people with lots of technical knowledge. They keep getting the same no-shows and cancellations. 
from the same type of personality client because they don't know how to deal with that person. That aside, that's number one for me. <laughs> number two, I like to think about position. So if you have someone that comes in with knee pain and it's going up the stairs, I look at the angle of the shin, angle of the knee. Usually, if you just light them on their side, on the left or the right, whatever knee is the problem, or you stand them up and train them with the exact same angle that the pain they have is in, they usually get better. I think position is one of the things I'm always on about. Think position. Someone that gets out of a chair 90 degrees and get lower back pain. Why don't you get them into like a, a hamstring bridge on a chair? Same position, but also all fours, the same position. Also sidelining with a right glute clamshell, it's the same position if you bend the knees to 90. Usually solutions are there. Mm -hmm. PT. So it's quite simple. That's what I always think. Think position. Hopefully that makes sense. It made sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does make sense. I think what happens though is that so many people get stuck into these little boxes. They get stuck into thinking, oh, if this isn't in my textbook or if this isn't what we went over in class, then it can't be right. Like I think a lot of people struggle to think outside the box and and think about things like, oh, we can't squat because the knee's sore, not recognizing or realizing that a person is literally getting into that position every day when they're getting up from a chair, when they're going up the stairs. Like people are always in that position. I think oftentimes, especially if you're at the beginning, it's hard for people to think like that. Yeah, I think with young PTs I've seen as well, they don't challenge themselves internally. So like, what I would say, example, if I'm giving a client a diagnosis, I give them a diagnosis and I give them a timeline, but I also give myself an internal timeline of what I deem they're going to improve on. So I challenge myself to make my job interesting. Like I play the game. Well, I think young PTs come in and they say, oh, I'll see you next week for another appointment. Hopefully you'll be improved. Instead of saying, I'm going to improve you in six weeks and challenge yourself to improve them in six weeks with that set condition, with that age the person is in, the body type they have, everything, write it all down, six weeks. If you achieve that goal, there's a prototype you have to work with for the next person that comes in that looks the exact same as them. And often don't challenge themselves internally. And that's what it is. The internal game makes the job interesting. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to learn more knowledge, they should be constantly trying to give themselves internal deadlines. Stuff. I think that works really well to improve someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I also think too that you mentioned that a lot of young PTs are always looking for that more information. They're wanting to study more. And I think that that comes as well from the ideas or I think that also comes from the fact that they might not have enough clinical experience yet putting mm -hmm. these concepts on other people. And so they're like, oh, if I just get smarter, then I'll be able to get more clients or be able to get more wins, not really focusing their attention and energy on what's right in front of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's like a lot of technical knowledge for some people can make them a worse PT. Mm -hmm. I would say, I've been honest, it probably made me a worse PT for a period of time because I was trying to figure out too much things from a model. Every time I was doing something, I might have not been committing 100% to it in my head. And that would have made me not as... I suppose not as streamlined in my job. So I became doubting myself a little bit. My confidence started to diminish. I kept thinking there was, I was missing something. But I forgot the basic thing, which is if you're able to convince that person that's in front of you that you'll do your best for them and you'll care for them and they believe you, you have them. And yeah. that's my personality analysis should always come before 
gaining a new skill. You have to get good at that. It's the same as anything. If you're a trainer, you understand this. You work with a lot of people. You read people like so quick. You must do it within the first 20 seconds or two minutes without even thinking about it. Because you won't be successful if you didn't do it. Right. It's true. But you also said you talked a very important component, which we talk about here a lot, which is that that idea of confidence, right? You have to have that unconscious sense of confidence, which comes from competence. And it's not about getting it perfect or getting it right or always having, you know, the best, you know, most successful solutions. Because listen, success is your worst teacher. You're always going to learn from when you mess up, right? That's where the lessons come from. But I think that if you're constantly chasing that idea of perfect, then your confidence starts to dwindle, which is only going to make it worse. And then you're not going to be able to start having that thriving, successful business. It's an important part. So that leads me, Natalie, I'm curious, you know, since you guys have this whole one brand or this one health under one brand, a lot of your people in your classes, are they in a lot of pain? Like, do you ever struggle or worry about navigating injuries inside your classes? We have built a good system that you do find that, you know, like especially clients who've come in from the physiotherapy PT side, that there is a good referral network there that, you know, information's passed on that so-and-so is recovering from ACL or is, co- is, co- is recovering from a lower back pain, chronic issue, all those things. We're all, we're a good line of communication, I suppose, between instructors and the therapists. So I wouldn't say you struggle. I think doing our internal team meetings, not even meetings, training, we do it on the reformer, we attend each other's classes, but we also do a lot of work with therapists so they can share their knowledge even more and more with us as instructors as well. So no, I wouldn't think we struggle, but we do have to make sure that we are thorough with our referrals in and out of the clinic and to the studio to make sure that you know you don't miss someone and then you end up hurting them even more so when it's important that we're thorough and we check it out and then if we feel like they're struggling with something we're not afraid to go back to the therapist and say look I think Mary is struggling with this I don't know if she's getting better we need to maybe have a look or whatever so it goes both ways as well so I think it's one thing that we we would do with her and staff is we we, we, help, we let them shadow us when we're teaching a class and also shadow us when we're dealing with clients before and after. And I think it's very important if you see someone that's struggling, tell them. Because I've seen in the past where a lot of people like, oh, they found that hard. And they found it very difficult, which everyone else did. But sometimes people don't realize that they're not the only person in the room finding it difficult. And they feel very, very hard on themselves after the class. So it's important to tell someone that they are doing it wrong if they are. And it's important to always tell them that there are other people in your boat as well. There are other people that have come through this process. Because you might never do something to injure them in a class. No. <laughs> but they might walk away two days later and perceive that whatever they've done came from your class. So it's, it's just a really good system of saying, this is what you're going to feel from this. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you don't, if you, if you do feel a little bit sore. Because when you train... You're like not like there's no such thing as training and not getting an injury. Like the more you train, the more injuries you're likely to get. Mm-hmm. That's just common sense. Like you're pushing the boundary. So people need to understand that. I think that's what we always tell our therapists and our mm-hmm. instructors is to don't be afraid to go up to someone and we just want them to do it absolutely the way we want to do it. We don't let people come in and dictate the class. We control the environment. That's very important. Like we've always said, like preempting things as well. Yeah. Like sometimes you know, there might be a certain position that in the general 
population, you don't normally move that way. So you're going to say, look, guys, you might feel this slightly in or wherever and, you know, don't worry, you will feel it there. So you preempt instead of them saying, oh, my God, am I, should I feel this here? Blah, 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 blah. They've already, they already know. Oh, it's OK. I'm, I'm going to be OK. So we try and teach that to our instructors yeah. as well. That's important. Just to do a lot of that with any sort of training of lumbar spine. Say everyone's complaining about that low back. Oh, I feel back, and you're like, well, there are muscles there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we, we do an exercise where you lie face down and prone, as you would say, and you're meant to lift up your whole body um, using the straps, and you extend your spine and you use your buttock muscles. It's a brilliant exercise. Most people are very poor at it. And before I even teach that exercise, you're going to feel the muscles in your spine. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's what we want. Because if you don't say that, people think you shouldn't be feeling it. Mm. And I think use the word spine instead of back is important also. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, like when you say back, people say I have a bad back or I have a sore back. But when you use the word spine, it gives it that it's a stable structure. It's something that people can actually physically see when they close their eyes. Most people can. <laughs> and it's, it gives it more of a kind of a scientific, I suppose, wording that most people won't associate with pain. You don't say I have a sore spine or I have a bad spine. <laughs> use that terminology we don't over in Ireland anyways you don't want to watch you do in America <laughs> Trump's your president now it could be hilarious you don't have spines <laughs> you don't have spines <laughs> oh yeah I mean that's interesting like you really just got my mind thinking there for a second because you know in marketing I'm always teaching you know you want to use the language that they're using you want to meet them where they're at and then carry them along for the ride. So I feel like that, you know, and then it's kind of like that concept of, you know, give them what they want, but also what they need. And so it's interesting to think about it like that in terms of, you know, when you're cut, when you're marketing versus when you're teaching and coaching. It's different. Yeah. And it's important that like, that's, that's what we have to do when we hire staff is we certain words we use, certain words we don't use. Mm -hmm. Like you forget how powerful words are. Like, it depends on the personality of some people, but some people cling on a word. They like we see it in clinic. One of the most, one of the big, one of the biggest lessons I ever had was a client to come in and said, "I'm not dizzy, I just feel off balance." And I was like, "Okay." I've been to loads of people, like doctors and surgeons, and this person referred me to you, and they said that you you helped me. But I'm not dizzy. So the first thing I said was, "Okay, stand up," and she stood up, and I said, "Do you feel dizzy?" <laughs> And like that, I just went, she's gone. So <laughs> I don't even think I tried to book another appointment. I just knew, well, it was over. So <laughs> at that time, I was like, but we make them mistakes. But I realized that words from that time on, I realized what I try and do in clinic is whatever verb they use to describe their issue, I repeat that verb back. Because that's a verb they're comfortable with. I do that too in terms of in marketing. Like that's a, yeah, I want to... That's how you're going to build instant rapport with someone is when you start mirroring their language back to them on a subconscious level, they start to feel like, oh, this person gets me. No, I just use the same word that you just said to me. That's why it feels like that or not, but, but, and the fact that you said that words are super powerful is something that most people miss. They don't realize the impact that their words can have because like you said people have emotional responses mm -hmm. to things you might say that is so important mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the most important mm -hmm. that it's the most important for both rapport also getting them to adhere to also getting them out of pain 
And yeah. when you start saying things like spine instead of back, they will trust you more because they won't associate pain to the word spine in the way that they might if you're using the word back. Yeah. What other words would you, that, you know, off the top of your head that you teach inside your clinic? In clinic or studio, um, let me see. What is it? That's a really good question. <laughs> Where is that word sheet? <laughs> um, yeah, can you give us a PDF download of the words not to use? No, I'll kidding. give an example of like in clinic, if someone says that um, I slipped the disc, I don't know if that's universal language all over the world, it probably is, but if they're that convinced that a disc slips, I'm not going to argue with them. My job isn't conflict. Um, my job is just to improve them. So I don't want to argue with them until I know that they like me better than to do that, that phrase. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I'll pick it. Regard other words, oh, you really have me now for the words that we don't use. Certain cues we don't use. Mm-hmm. Like belly button to spine. Don't like it. Makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Try and belly button to spine and take it in here and exit. It's gone. Ridiculous. Anyways, that sort of stuff. <laughs> But I like it sometimes because it's so literal to some people when you are queuing in a class. Like they'll straight away get into a better position. This is the little, this is what happens. This is the little internal <laughs> arguments we have, you see, because they, Oh, I love that. But it doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense. sense it doesn't to me, make so I can't put my heart behind it. I'm just going. Yeah, I can. I and I appreciate the knowledge and the the knowledge and the justification behind it. But for some people, it's they can do it and then they get into a better position. Mm. That's my argument. I'd say that's a mistake we made as well. Probably yeah. when we opened the studio, we kind of we tried to meld too much um, PRI knowledge with Pilates. When you get good results without having to go into a huge amount of detail when you're using the reformer, and um, we went into probably too much detail, which made the class less enjoyable. Instead of just let this brilliant apparatus do the work for you and get your cueing more refined, boom, boom, cueing. So we don't have an answer to that question, Barry. No, you did. You, you do. You do have an answer. <laughs> a good answer, right? I, but I am curious, right? Slip disc. People say that all the time. Oh, I've slipped my disc. Your disc can't slip. No, like I always say, if you can imagine like a little, there's not a Coca-Cola lorry, the big one that comes at Christmas. Imagine it was small and it hit you right in the spine at the same speed and force. Then your disc could slip. <laughs> you'd have been hit by that Coca-Cola lorry, so you, your disc is not slipped. But that's only when they like me better than they like the diagnosis. You're right. Got it. Got it. Okay, so this was a beautiful segue into what has it been like working together, merging your company, creating this brand, and also, you know, being brand new parents, marriage. Talk about it. <laughs> you go first. Where do you start? Well, oh, it's been, um, I don't know if it'd be for everyone. <laughs> yeah. But... We've learned a lot of trying to respect each other's abilities and mm. strengths. And that's still, we learn that every week or every month. We realize, oh, that's a job that you're better at. You may take that. Or it's like even more recently, like I've take, taken on more of a managerial role, dealing with staff and other different things like talking to people and applying for stuff and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Tommy kind of is more in a leadership role and follow me, row in. Um, and also teaching some of the concepts a bit more, you know, like the anatomy and PRI and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, it's kind of, it's we been a better, journey. We've got it's better been, at it. It's been a journey, yeah. I do think when we were, we were working with Kyle from Kyle Compound, Dobbs. Kyle Dobbs Compound Performance. Brilliant help. Really helps when we were rebranding and trying to get systems in place to allow us to probably function better as a 
partnership in business because the lines were getting really blurred with a partnership in marriage and mm. business and you do this, I do that. And it was just all over the place. So like Kai really helped us develop systems that we can put into place and then anyone can come and join the company. Or if I stepped away, like I'd have to for a while with the baby and stuff that I was a little bit not as involved and things were still been done. People knew what they were doing and knew what I was doing and someone could pick up the slack, I suppose. So I think it's been a journey and I think we'll, don't think we'll ever end that journey because you have to keep learning and we're both evolving, I think. And the business is evolving. Like we've new concepts now, yoga nutrition just launched and we're trying to tease our way through that now. So it's... It's, 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 it's something that I think we've got better at. Um, it's definitely something I think we've got better at as a couple and it's also I suppose good to have people like really good mentors like Kyle was to us to slowly leave the hints that this might not be what you're tailored to and so for example like Natalie said she manages staff now Mm -hmm. I don't do any of that because it does not suit me to do that Um, I'd go into a meeting and if I'd seen someone raise an eyebrow I would extend the meeting and try to get them to lower the eyebrow. Not in a, in, I'd be trying to compensate for them because I might have said something wrong. Mm-hmm. Natalie will never see that eyebrow been raised because she, you just don't see it. It's not in her attention span to see it. Meetings are timed. She does them done. You go as a staff member and if you have a problem, come back to me. But that's, I think that's very important. Kyle let, led us to the point to understand that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's good, to be, it's good to get mentoring off other people because especially as a couple, if you're not getting mentored from an outside source, you, you really, because you truly really are invested in it. You know, it's, it's not dealing with another staff member. It's dealing with a passionate business owner who wants this to work. And you need someone to go sometimes, not always, but sometimes to come in between the two of you and help you. Just look at it objectively. Yeah, look at it objectively. Yeah. Get the emotion out of, the, out of the room. That's the most important thing. Because mm-hmm. as a couple, you like each other and you fancy each other. So you're not, it's not like mm-hmm. you're... Tommy got his hair cut. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because you often hear all the time, business is not personal, but how can you say that when you're dealing, when your business partner is your partner? Yeah. Like there is times, and obviously people have bad days, like everyone has bad days. There's days where you're, you're you know, you're a bit stressed or whatever. And then especially with the new baby and everything else. Sleep. Baby Molly. Baby Molly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the best baby. But at the same time, at the beginning, it's hard to find your feet and sleep is not as good as it was and you know you're just trying to find the balance again so you know look we've we've now have good structures in place i think and you know like we write things down or we you know we have a structured meet need like together like for business we have a meeting we have to because we were having conversations at every cup of tea or during dinner or if you're doing going out for a walk like we're having too many conversations about business at times when maybe we should have been talking about something that's not work and kind of trying to learn to switch off and just be a couple and then have business as business you know so we've, we've learned how to try and do that as well that's still a work in progress it's always a work in progress <laughs> yeah. like everything is constant you have to constantly work at it mm-hmm. well i'll say from my perspective i think that one of the things just even in this conversation one of the things that your brand does really well that i think a lot of personal trainers miss is that networking concept, that networking idea, which is where you don't have to be the one-stop shop as one person to like fix all the pain, get the strength and conditioning, to do all the nutrition. And I think 
as someone who used to feel like that, I think that comes from that feeling of like, oh, I don't want my client to think they don't need me or that I can't do it or that I'm not good enough, not recognizing and missing the fact that you need to have a team of people and perspectives to help this one person. And if you can actually do that, then they're a client for life. Yeah, that's like we've seen it in the past where we have, as others have, we referred out and we never had a bad experience of referring out. But when you see people that you really want to refer to and they then can possibly work with you and for you, you make moves to make sure that you can get them people in place. And we're, we're lucky enough that we have them people in place. Like that's one thing that a concept I didn't get when we started the business. I remember we, when we opened the Reformer Pilates studio, so my clinic was in the town, the Reformer Pilates studio, slightly outside the town. I remember one client came in, and this is how stupid I was about business. He asked me to help him with his back, doing some back treatment. He says, I heard Pilates be brilliant for him. And I said, oh, there's a new studio after opening outside of town called One Pilates, meant to be brilliant. And he goes, all right, yeah. If I had said, here, this is what you need to do. It's me and my wife on it. You need to go to it. He would have went to it. Mm -hmm. That concept for me was alien. I wasn't good at. Well, Tommy's really reluctant at the start. To, he, want, he wanted to keep the clinic separate. Was I good at the baby? It was his, when he came out of college, he set it up and it was a brilliant booming clinic, but he wanted to keep it separate. And I think I agreed with it at the start and then I think he just had a, an apparition or something. It was like, we need, what are we paying? <laughs> two rent, two ESP bills, we were actually having, two everything. We went for a meal for Natalie's birthday and I was, just, I was sitting and eating, I was eating a, a pasta dish at an Italian restaurant in town and I was just there like this. Ah, oh, fuck that. I'm just, I just put it all together. Like, and it, it took about five months. It was five months, yeah. But there's been two situations like that in my career where I just have had a total blank for five, six months. And I've been hard on myself to think why didn't I make decisions earlier? One, when we were trying to move to businesses together. And the other was when my first physiotherapist I hired, Andrew O'Neill, AON Physiotherapy in Clare, brilliant lad, when he was telling me he was leaving, like he told me he was leaving in December. And he was going to leave in July the following year. I never advertised for a job till May. Mm. I was just like in a kind of haze. Right. Because, and that happens to people in business. And I think when it happens to someone else, I'll have a lot more empathy than I probably had before. Because <laughs> we go through, we go through peaks and troughs. The most important thing is when you, when you go too high, you don't get too above your station. Right. That's why having the lessons are the best because that's when you're going to, you'll learn. You had to go through that in order to learn that lesson. Mm -hmm. You can teach other business owners who are going to open their business. You're going to be like, here, don't do the mistakes that I made. Right? So it's good. Yeah. Like, and that sort of stuff, like, I think is, is important to teach other people. I have a lot of people that message me about the model we have now, which would be, a model that be very new to our area, but even a model that be quite new, I'd say, in the country. And they want to know how to build it. And depends certain personality types, um, Beverly will, will be delighted as one-man shops working from home. Mm -hmm. Some other people hate that um, because they want to have a team. They want to have people talk to every day. They want to have that one-to-one -one rapport. And I'm kind of like that. I could have easily ran my clinic on my own. I would have spent less money, but yeah. I would never have enjoyed it. I, way more, I enjoy it way more now. I know for me that I'm extroverted, so I like to have and process ideas. Are you extroverted, Beverly? 
that kind of the outside here's my idea this is what i'm thinking i like the process on the outside it's very important i mean i think if this pandemic has taught me anything it's taught me that even though i'm primarily online is that i need to be with a team of people and talking about ideas and building out the networks that's what's going to ultimately lead you to growth mm -hmm. I think that concept, that idea of I can do it all myself is what holds most people back. Yeah, and, and that's just not realizing that people don't want that either. Yeah. Like your clients don't want a jack of all trades but master of none. That's exactly what comes into people's head when they think I have a strength and conditioning coach who's a PT and he's going to teach me nutrition or she is going to teach me nutrition. They're going, gee, I'd like to go see someone else. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to hang out with you all day. And you're all like. Yeah. Come on, enjoy it. Like, who likes a three-hour appointment? <laughs> <laughs> this is so true. It's so true. Okay, I definitely want to be mindful of your time. So okay. I'll, leave you, I'll leave you with this last question. What would you tell someone who was, you know, really excited about, you know, I'm really excited about opening up my brick and mortar. I want to open up my, you know, wellness place. Where would be the first place they should start? Oh, Come visit us in one house. <laughs> Fly to Ireland and visit us. I'll tell you. I, like, I think, and if you can take it a few different ways, I suppose with business, you have to make sure that you try and get a really good rent that you can pay even on 10 clients a week for PT. Um, also as well, I think you need to do your research. Mm. Most people open a business without doing good research. Um, good research for a PT or strength and conditioning coaches. I remember when I started my business, no one had, they had a website, but no one was on Facebook. And I was just blasting Facebook. And that allowed me to get out there among the community and tell people that I was confident. And you can show your confidence on Facebook. And if you're, if, if you're talking with energy on Facebook, you better have double the energy in person because that's what they're coming for. And the other, the research is really important. Like I know there's a coffee shop in town, to give an example, and he wanted to open a unit in another town. So what he done was from six o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock in the day, because he's selling morning coffee, he sat at the location that he was going to rent with a counter for a month. So he'd get footfall. And then he opened it in that location. Now that's good research. He done it himself. He didn't pay someone else to do it. And usually what I'd say is the stuff that you're kind of, really finding a lot of resistance to do like when you sit down and do it that's the stuff you should be doing mm -hmm. like that resistance that sick feeling in your stomach that you're going oh i hate doing this type of work i'd rather just do what i think i'm good at like the research is massively important we've done a lot of research in the, in the Pilates studio and we probably didn't research environment in the room enough at the time it's very hard because there was very little to look at in Ireland compared to the US and Australia. So we weren't going to fly over and have a look at them. <laughs> also, uh, also, one thing I'd like to say as well is that when you're young and you're new in a job, by God, have a bit of fun. Like mm. all the people that come in and they're so serious. Like with PT, it's quite simple. You can't kill anyone with physiotherapy exercise. So like you're not gonna you're not gonna <laughs> break a leg. You're not doing surgery. So. Stop thinking that you're making these massive changes when you're not making such changes. Like I often say, I often say with someone, oh, should I massage the, the, the hamstring or the glute? Massage both. It's going to make very little difference. So like, don't be overestimating your value. You're not that important to that person. Have a bit of fun. <laughs> Have a bit of fun and knock a bit of crack out of it because 
if you don't if you don't enjoy it, they won't enjoy it. <laughs> so true. And I'm laughing so hard only because you know, I work with Kyle too. I was Kyle's assistant fitness manager for a while and he used to tell me all the time, Beverly, you work at a gym. It's not that serious. <laughs> exactly. It's important and I have to remind myself that all the time, like especially when you know we just get caught up in what I call the world of adulting, right? I got to do this. I got to do that. And you just think you'll have these moments. Like if this pandemic hasn't taught me anything, it's taught me this, that it's just not worth it. Our life is just so short. And if we can't enjoy what we're spending our time doing, then why? Why? Yeah, like, like you'd see a lot of now what we see is with young PTs that if they're outgoing, like like and like conversations and like having conversations, stop in the street when they're shopping and chat someone, and their p- partner is like, "Come on, stop talking to people." You need a brick and mortar business. You're not going to survive because you're not an introvert. And the one thing is, like, don't forget as well that this is my opinion. But a lot of introverts are boring because they, they don't entertain people. Like, and you shouldn't be in face to face. Uh, business with people you're not suitable to it so realize that it's small traits that you like doing like having conversations working the team that's a brick brick and mortar business online you can do it as an element but it's not going to stimulate you right yeah introverts sometimes are boring (laughs) (laughs) well what i'm really hearing you saying is you know recognizing and knowing your strengths and it's not that you're ignoring your weaknesses because we still, we're always, that's how you grow. But when you lean on your strengths, you'll just live a happier life. Yeah. And I remember when I started my PT business, I, I, I didn't have a care in the world. Like mm-hmm. I was fearless. And it's because I always, I always kept saying the same thing to me, to myself. What harm can I really do? I'm not that powerful. I'm not, I don't have a scalpel in my hand. I'm not a surgeon, a brain surgeon. <laughs> and if you go with that mentality and you try and do your best to get to know the clients, it'll be successful and care for them, care for them and ask them questions. Yeah. It's, I say this in marketing all the time, but it applies. And I, I've said it a million times on, even on this podcast is that, and it applies to training is it's all about guessing, testing and assessing. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah. And then just redo it, do it over again. Yeah. I know it's fun when you play the game and I think that's so yeah I think we answered that question somewhere <laughs> for a new person starting out what we tell them it's worth the boring <laughs> <laughs> that's going to piss so many introverts off on Instagram now they're going to be like oh my god <laughs> I love all my technical knowledge mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> No, you did. You did answer that question. You talked about the company name, probably, by the way. So that's, you know, that's. <laughs> but you did answer that question. You talked about, you know, playing to your, recognizing your strengths and playing to your strengths, coming up with a network of, of people to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What else, Natalie? What would you add? If you are bringing people in, you have to like those people. Mm. Or yeah. you have to have, like, be similar, at least. That's really important, especially people who are willing to learn or not necessarily change, but willing to learn and adapt, I suppose, better than change. Um, so the team you build around you is really important. So don't go hire someone you don't like because that won't work. Um, I also think don't be afraid to build a brand. Like we built the studio first, I suppose, the brand. And like straight away people are asking, oh, where's the other studio? Um, do you have any more? Like we built the brand. Like we were wearing the clothing. We 
our signage, everything. It's just important. Like, do all those things well. Like, don't cheap out and go for the cheaper option or, no, I'm not investing in that. Like, invest in your brand, invest in your marketing. Yeah. Hire Beverly to help you. Hire and, Beverly. Uh, <laughs> and we had another actually had a conversation with this the other day where he now has a business where he helps build a brand for people. And he was saying the biggest mistake he made with his business, and we were talking about was that if he had a hundred grand budget, he'd spend he would have spent ninety thousand on a fit out and ten thousand on clothing and stuff for his staff. He said now he would have spent fifty grand on a fit out. He spent another ten grand on clothing. He spent thirty on marketing mm-hmm. and getting it out there because even now with our business, a lot of people in the community didn't. I believe they know we're there, but we haven't shown them our value to them. And you won't do that unless you market to them. Mm-hmm. It's true, especially our online business. Like so many people can enter, they can pretty much get a website on Wix for free, and then say they have a, an online business. It's the ability to get into the market online now is awesome and also very easy, which means that the majority of your budget is going to be spent on marketing and messaging. And the reason why you need to do that is because when there are so many people that have access to it, you need to know how you can set yourself apart from Mm. other people. You have to, your messaging and marketing is key. Yeah. 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 We've definitely learned that recently, the marketing side of things that, it's just you have to do it and you know and do every avenue of it not just one or the other or let something slide so it's, it's to stay on top of that and be organized be organized with it as well purposeful and organized which is only which is only going to come when you do it right people yeah. people want to try and read and learn and research but you're listen you're not going to learn how to swim by reading a book on swimming at some point you have to get in the water and then you'll learn from there you'll learn when rubber meets the road yeah yeah, I see people. I suppose I suppose people think of it as a waste of money um, at times because they don't see direct sales. But that's not the point of it, really. The point of it is to try and play that game as well. If you just look at every part of business as a game, mm-hmm. some people some people get real enjoyment out of risking sixty, seventy thousand on a business venture, as like they were watching a horse race. They have the same enjoyment. And for me, that's tough. Now, for you, it isn't that like. Like, I would procrastinate about making decisions. Mm-hmm. But one thing lockdown has shown me is that I'm not afraid to go for it now as hard as I want it. I'm not afraid to do that now. Because if you believe in what you have in your business, you might as well go for it. And that's, a, that's what we expect to do now in the future. Mm. And I know like someone like yourself, Beverly, has always told us, go for it. And I'm probably the person that's like, eh, no one will buy it. But, uh, <laughs> I, I'm always like, yeah, sell it. You haven't made it yet. Who cares? Just sell it. <laughs> <laughs> sell everything. <laughs> sell Molly. I want to <laughs> No, don't sell Molly. My husband listens to me sometimes, and he, but it's funny that you said that because my husband will listen to you sometimes and he'd be like, I swear, if you think you could sell Gwen and Abby, you probably would try. I just did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, down, you would have sold them, Beverly, to be honest. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look at videos of like my kids being cute to remember that I love them. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So this has been amazing. Thank you so much for all your insight. I really appreciate it. So for those of you who want to learn more about One Health, where can I send them? Yeah, so on Instagram, One Health. Underscore IE. Underscore IE. And then I also have another page, um, which is my PT page called Tommy Comic PT, um, which is about like, I suppose, what I deem important, the psychology of of the business aspect and becoming a, a, a well-rounded PT clinician, I think. And our website, www.onehealth.ie. Okay, awesome. So we'll- Facebook. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, of course, link all of these up in the show notes. Cool. Thanks, Beverly. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much for coming on. It's been so fun. It's great. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Beverly. Nice stuff. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So be sure to share this episode with your friends on your social media networks. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, please leave us a review. But before you send it, send a screenshot and send it to support at thesimpsonfitness.com and we'll send you a bonus podcast recording on how to optimize your Instagram account to start attracting high-paying clients. And if you need help with content, be sure to download the seven-day content calendar, which will help you create your posts for the next seven days so you know exactly what to post to attract high-paying, ideal clients. Thanks again for hanging out, and we'll catch you on the next episode.